Second Epistle of Peter, chapter 2. I want to read nine verses, bring you the message I believe God has laid upon our hearts for this morning. Second Peter, chapter 2, beginning of the verse 1. And please, again I say, be with us for the service tonight and for the ministry of the Word of God. Before I read the Scripture, let me mention something to you you already know. But I wonder if you're thinking about it very much. You and I are living in a strange day. A very strange day. I'm talking about spiritual-wise, religious-wise, so to speak. You and I are living in a very strange day. What we used to call fundamentalism, and everyone knew what we were talking about when we used the term, is now splintered up in various groups, call themselves fundamentalists, and do not get along very well together. It's a strange day. There's every kind of religion that you can possibly imagine. The, the mind of man has concocted every kind of religion that is imaginable. We need the Word of God more than ever before, I believe. I just believe we need to just get back to the Bible and just to see what the Bible says and preach the Bible and believe the Bible just exactly like it is. I don't think we ought to try to change it or correct it. Um, uh, we ought to explain it when it needs explaining. But it just needs preaching. What the Bible needs is just to be laid out before people. I believe the Bible. And I don't care what happens around me and who's involved in it. I want to keep my nose in this book and my heart in this book. And we need the Bible more, I think, than we've ever needed it before in all our life. Now, I'm going to be preaching, God willing. I know you're not going to pay any attention to this, but I've always made announcements like this, so i just just dumb enough to keep announcing them. I'm going to be preaching this morning and tonight about some of these things that have to do with the apostasy that's on in your day and mine. I'd like for you to be here with us and share with us and pray for me as a preach. I hope you will. Now, chapter 2 of Second Peter, let's read in the Word of God together. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. Now let me stop right there. And uh, I know maybe I shouldn't stop and go on and just continue reading, but I can't go by this expression in the Bible. Even denying the Lord that bought them. You see this talking about the blood of Jesus. The other day I read where a prominent Southern Baptist, and I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings if I can help it, but sometimes the Bible hurts people's feelings. A very prominent and outstanding Southern Baptist man said, he thought that God would find a way for Jews to get to heaven. Now, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in all my life. 
God provided a way for Jews to get to heaven hundreds of years ago. And that's my belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say to you this morning, and there may be some Jews here, I don't know. I love the Jews. I know what the Bible says about them, that they're God's elected and favorite people, favored people. And out of the loins of the Jew came forth the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my Savior. But no one goes to heaven without Christ. And no one goes to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ. So if, uh, if, I, if I must say that, uh, I'm just going to say it. God's already found a way for anybody to go to heaven who wants to go. But it's one way, same way for Jew and Gentile, and absolutely no difference. And folks in this day even deny the Lord that bought them. Now the expression bought them deals with the blood of Jesus and the sufferings on the cross. Uh, denying the Lord that bought them bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many, I want you to underscore that little word in your Bible. I did in mine. If you don't mind doing it, underscore it in your Bible. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Now I'm going to stop again. And if you, if you don't like me stopping, I'll pray for you. And you just come up after the service and I'll tell you what's wrong with you and we'll get it all straightened out. <laughs> through covetousness now will they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Now listen to me. I'm going to say something that sounds critical to you. Uh, I don't mean it to be, but I'm saying it in the interest of the truth. Our television screens are filled with religious leaders all day on the Lord's Day and every night and every day of the week who are making merchandise of people. I mean this. I've listened to programs where the whole purpose of the program was not to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to raise money to pay for the program so they can have another program to raise more money to pay for another program and so on. I don't think that's of God. I don't think that's of God. First of all, I believe the tithe of a Christian belongs in his local church. You wouldn't say to a doctor, operate on me, I'm about to die. And then say to him, now I'm going to pay the other doctor, another doctor, the money. You wouldn't mind that, would you? No, I think God wants you to support your church. If you hear the word of God here, and you're a member of this church, your tithe and offering uh, belongs to God. And I believe God has said that it's to go into the local church. Well, it says, let every one of you lay by him in store and that uh, there be no offerings when I come, and let him do it for the first day of the week. Now that says something to me. That says to me that on the first day of the week, when the child of God comes up to the house of the Lord, 
he should bring his tithe with him to his local church. Now, a lady said to me a long time ago, so you won't be thinking of anything new. A lady said to me a long time ago, if you mention money one more time in Emmanuel Baptist Church, I'm never coming again. So, of course, she's never been here since, and that's been 30 or 35 years ago. I, I, this is a serious thing because I believe that it's of God. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, uh, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should live after, should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. And I want to speak to you, I believe this morning, uh, the remark from the Bible, a statement from the Bible, which would be the basis of my message. The foundation of my messages, my message are these words, the day of judgment to be punished. Now in a few verses here, we find God judging pride and pollution and perversity. In these same verses, we find the preservation of the saints of God. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is why God and how God judged certain things in days gone by. And that God has never, never changed. In verse 1, we read the expression, swift destruction. This is not a very pleasant message. God uses the word swift destruction that shall come on certain people. God uses in verse 3 this expression. He uses the word damnation. Damnation or condemnation, God said, will come upon certain people. He mentions a very elite group of Old Testament beings, and of them, he says, they were spared not. And so this is a message of judgment. And I'm not preaching it to you uh, with the wrong attitude. I have a tender heart toward people. I believe I can truthfully say this morning that I love people. But you know, you can't hate 
against love, good people, without hating evil things. And that's the way God is. He speaks of false teachers and many followers. And he said, as there has been false teachers, so will there be false teachers in this day and on till the end of time and the coming of the Lord. He uses three illustrations of past judgment. He says, first of all, in verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. Now, I ask myself the question, what was the sin of angels? That is, these sexless beings God made, and they're both good and bad. But the Bible teaches there's a great host of these angels who have been cast down to hell already and are chained in chains of darkness forever. I want to know what is this awful sin that caused a just and holy God to cast these beings He made, He created down into a burning hell and chained them with chains of darkness forever. All Bible students I've ever read after are questioned about this matter of the fallen angels. Said that the sin of the angels was the sin of pride. You, you remember why Satan fell. Satan said, doesn't sound like anything so awful bad. Unless you know the Lord and you know a little something about the Bible. Satan said, I'm going to be like God. That doesn't sound so terrible, does it? I'm going to be like him someday myself. When he comes, I'm going to be made like him, the Bible says. Satan said, I will be like God, not unlike him. And so he's become the world's greatest imitator. He said, I will lift up my my throne above the stars of God. And he sought to make a God out of himself. And God at some time in, in past history cast Satan out of heaven and a great host of angels with him. Satan is not bound. Satan is not in hell. Satan is loose and alive on this earth and in the eyes of many people is doing well. He has gotten for himself the title that he wanted. He is even called in the Bible the God of this age. But these angels said, we will go along with Satan and their fallen angels. And the Bible said, God spared them not because of their sin of pride. Now, pride is an over-high opinion of oneself. It's an exaggerated esteem. And you know there are different kinds of pride. This pride, an over-high opinion of oneself, and that's what Satan had. He said, well, I'm going to be just like God, and I'm going to lift up my throne. Uh, there are different kinds of pride. I know people that have the pride of birth. They say, I was born of certain 
blue blood, and they have the pride of birth. I know people who have the pride of education, and they like to, like to parade their education and their credentials as far as knowledge is concerned. I know people who have the pride of dress. Their whole world is made up of how they look. And by the way, I find nothing in the Bible to teach that a, that a Christian ought to look just as shabby as he possibly can. I find much in the Bible that he ought to look as well as he possibly can, but in a modest and godly way. There's the pride of dress. There are many kinds of pride. But you know this Bible says God hates pride. I read in the book of Proverbs that pride goeth before destruction. Let me say to you, people who live in pride are headed for a fall. I read in the Bible, those who exalt themselves in pride, God is able to abase. Daniel 3, 4, Daniel 4, and verse 37. I read in 1 John that all that's in this world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, flesh and the pride of life is not of God, but is of the world and passeth away. What I'm saying to you is, Satan's fall and the fall of angels came about because of pride. And God brought awful judgment upon them. So God judges pride. I read of a second thing in verse 5 of the scripture we read. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. This teaches me God judges pollution. Now then, you read chapter 6 of the book of Genesis. You read of an ungodly intermarriage. It was not a marriage of angels and men, as many people believe. That could not possibly be. Now, Jesus himself said angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. Angels are neither men or women. They are sexless beings. And all for years, people have interpreted uh, that sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, where it says the, the, sons of men, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and married them wives, all of whom they would. And then it says there was a production of giants in the earth. And many people have said, this is when men and angels intermarried. That is not true. That would contradict other parts and places in the Bible and contradict even the eternal words of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Genesis chapter 6 is teaching, that there is an intermarriage between the descendants of Seth, a godly man who took the place of the first son who was slain, Adam's son Abel, Seth then became the one in the godly line, and the Sethites, who were born 
were people that believed in the blood. Like Abel believed in the blood and was slain by his brother. So the sons of God are the descendants of Seth. Saw so the daughters of men that they were fair. These are the descendants of Cain. And what you have here in Genesis chapter 6, which brought about the destruction of the world with a flood, is an intermarriage of the godly and the ungodly. And the Bible plainly teaches that a born-again, blood-washed child of God should never marry an unsaved person. Amen. I don't know how many times people have said to me, but I'll go ahead and marry this person and I'll win them afterwards. No, even if you win them afterwards, you have sinned against God in marrying them in the first place. For this Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So what God is, is, has already judged is the pollution of the anti-deluvian world where it says the, the imagination of men was only evil continually. Now I don't run with unsaved people, but I'm, I don't believe in monasticism. I don't believe in a Christian secreting himself or herself in a monastery somewhere and just commune with God and let the world go to hell. I don't run with sinners, but I'm in a sinful world. And I see them and hear them everywhere. I hear their evil language. And it appears to me that men without Christ so many of them are described here. Their evil, their imagination is only evil continually. You know, if a man didn't have a dirty mind, there'd be no Playboy magazine. If a man didn't have a dirty mind and dirty imagination, and women also. If women didn't have dirty minds, they wouldn't wear their skirts up to their hips. Um, you know, everybody blames David, and David is to blame. But if Bathsheba had pulled her shades down, it never would have happened. And God has judged pollution. Romans chapter 3, in dealing with the depravity of the human race, deals with this very matter. In Romans chapter 3, I read where God has said that um, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Now listen, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You know, we've come to the place where we think, well, there's a little bit of good in everybody. If we can just find it, listen to me, you're not going to find it. It's not there. This old modernistic talk by modernistic preachers that there's a spark of divinity in every human soul, all you have to do is just keep finding it. After a while, it'll, it'll turn into a flame that was born in hell. Devil started that. 
There's no spark of divinity in anybody. person needs to be born again. Then God gives him a divine nature. And he becomes a new creature. And just as sure of heaven as if there's a God on the throne this morning. But there's no, nothing good about man. Say, well, I know good people. No, that good people you know have turned down Jesus Christ, would stain their feet with his precious blood, grieve the Holy Spirit, gone against the holy book of God. And God said, there is none good, no, not one. You know, we, we've been so brainwashed. And I heard a man say one time, if you get blood washed, it's awful hard to be brainwashed. Now, I, I agree with that. If you get blood washed, you're not going to be brainwashed by everything. If you're truly saved and you just live in this Bible, you're going to see a lot you don't agree with. I read a great man's sermon a few weeks ago, and it appeared in the sword of the Lord. And I'm, I'm on the board of the sword of the Lord and proud to be. Dr. Curtis Hudson's dear friend, and I love him. We have him here. I hope to have him again if the Lord tarries. And I tarry. Uh, but I read this great sermon. Dr. Hudson said he wanted folks to see. A great sermon with W.A. Criswell, pastor of the richest Baptist church in the world, First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And a man for 50 years, I guess, or so, has been in the Southern Baptist Convention. He wrote a sermon on whether we live or die. And he... He talked about the inerrancy of the Bible, that the Bible is true, and no errors in it. He bemoaned the fact that in the Southern Baptist schools, there are professors who do not believe that the Bible is inerrant, and they make fun of the book of Jonah and other parts of the Bible. And as one of those men that said God would find a way for people to get to heaven who did not believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God, that's the devil's lie. I read the, the sermon by a great man. And you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm remembering something that the Bible says. The Bible says, um, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. And the last thing in the world, uh, the next to the last thing in the world, I ever want to do is have a critical spirit toward a man of God. And ever touch one of God's prophets. That's the next to the last thing I want to do. The last thing I want to do is compromise my own personal convictions. And John Gill said, I can afford to be poor, but I cannot afford to, do, to injure my conscience. I read that sermon. Uh, it was a sermon that called, cried out for the inheritance of the Bible. Such language, beautiful language, I've never read. And when I read it, I honestly, before God, I said, I'd give anything in the world to have the knowledge and ability and the oratory to speak as that man was speaking. But then, when I finished reading it, something occurred to me. The great issues of the day. The thing that's destroying fundamentalism and destroying the lives of millions of young people and misleading millions of people who call themselves Baptists. And I read it again. And when I read it again, I said, the great preacher mentioned nothing, mentioned nothing about the fact his church gives a million dollars a year 
to the cooperative program which pays the salaries of these rattlesnakes that deny the Bible and the deity of Christ. And if the great preacher wants it stopped, quit feeding rattlesnakes and let them die. He said in his great sermon, we need revivals in our Sunday schools. And we do. We need one in ours. But he said, these Sunday schools must be under the cooperation and leadership of a person. One person, many Sunday schools. He said, we need revivals in our churches. And there was written in the sermon, applause in brackets. Great statement. Everybody would agree we need revivals. But he said, they must be revivals within the context of our association and our group. He said they must always be a denomination. That's what he said. And there's no such thing taught in the Bible. Now, denomination is not taught in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say a word about denomination. The only tie between churches mentioned in the Bible is the tie and the bond of fellowship. There's no such thing as ecclesiastical hierarchy that has offices somewhere else and owns this church and controls this preacher. And the Bible doesn't teach that. Somebody said to me one time, where are your headquarters? I said, we don't have any. But you, what directory are you listed in? Not listed in any. But you have headquarters somewhere. Where are your headquarters? Is it Nashville or where is it? I finally got enough of the headquarters business. I said, we don't even know where our hindquarters are a lot of times, let alone our headquarters. Headquarters, my eyeball. And the great preacher said, we've lost two great universities to Baptist control. Isn't that a pity? Isn't that a shame? Couldn't you just cry? To Baptist control, that's sickening. They've been lost to dirty, low-down modernists who deny this Bible and deny that Jesus Christ is a virgin-born, innocent, spotless Son of God. They're rattlesnakes. That's what they are. And people quit, need to quit feeding them. And let me tell you, some of you need to quit feeding some people on your television screen that are teaching, trying to teach thousands of people they need the baptism of the Holy Ghost when you already have it. For we've all been baptized by one Spirit and we've all been made to drink of uh, one spiritual rock and that rock is Christ. For we've all been baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says. Now let me ask you a question. Uh, what does A-double-L mean? All. We all have been. Does that mean it's taking place now or going to take place? Talk to me. Already taking place. A-double-L means all. Okay, if that man right there has been baptized in the Holy Ghost, how many people have been baptized in the Holy Ghost? 
everybody. If that man right there hasn't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, how many have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost? And no one. Everybody has not been. They either have been or they ain't been, honey. That's what the Bible says. And you know, it's unbelievable what people will follow. They'll see some little old woman on television with enough mascara on to, to, to paint up uh, 50 sets of eyes. And they'll hear her cry, uh, look at her cry, and stomp her little old foot and preach. And God, listen, I don't believe woman preachers. I might as well just get it out and get it over with. I don't believe one of them. If a man desire the office of a bishop, let him be the husband of one wife and so forth. You say, well, you're a chauvinist pig. No, I'm not a chauvinist pig. I just don't believe in woman, women preachers. I didn't mean to say that, but I sure enjoyed myself saying it. I've got somehow another find where I was when I went off on this rabbit trail. God judges pollution. Already brought judgment. Now listen. God in verse 6. God in verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making an example unto them that should hereafter uh, live ungodly. Now my time is up. But I want to just show you, if I can. It says, God judged the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and overthrew them and buried them in fire and brimstone. Why? Because of perversion. You know, I want to make confession to you. For many years, I heard people talk about homosexuality and uh, uh, this, that sort of thing. And you know, I just said, that can't be. You know, I'm, I know I'm an oddball. You know that too. You never had the nerve to tell me, most of you, but you know I am. I'm an oddball. I have people uh, uh, say to me, now, do you counsel with a young man and woman before they're married? Tell them all about marriage and love making and all. I say, no. They say, why? I say, nobody ever counseled with the rabbits. There are rabbits everywhere. If you don't have, now listen, I speak delicately, but if you don't have sense enough to know what marriage is all about, you don't have sense enough to be married, you ought to just go on out here to Clinton Valley and check in. <laughs> I'm not going to spend my time talking about that. And for all my life, this oddball, I kept saying, men with men and women with women? Nah. See, this is 40 years ago, and you weren't talking about it either, so don't act so smart. I said, this can't be. Why, the whole thing, is, it sounds ridiculous. And I'd, I'd read Romans chapter 1 and didn't even have sense enough to know how to interpret it. But when, when men came to Sodom and Lot took them into the house, these two men that represented God and heaven, the men of the city had beat on the door and said, Bring these men out. Why? That we may know them. Same expression that's used of a man and wife in the Bible, where it says that the man knew her, and there was born unto them so and so. 
Bring these men out that we may know them. Now, wait a minute. This is delicate. I don't know why Lot said this. It's one of the awfulest things in the world. But Lot said to the men, Don't be so wicked, my brethren. He said, I have two daughters who've never known man. Let me bring them out to you, but not these men. My daughters have never known man. They said, No, bring the men out that we may know them. And in the first book of the Bible, there's homosexuality. And the first book, uh, chapter of the book of Romans, explains it more in detail. It's been, ever since it's been, a human race. Isn't that awful? And you know, God judged, God judged the perversion of the city of Sodom. You know, a few days ago, a man named Rock Hudson, 59 years of age, admitted he had AIDS, 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 and was very sick. You know, people just lauded him. I, I, I appreciate the fact he admitted it so he wouldn't contaminate a lot of other people. But Rock Hudson lived in sin. And Rock Hudson had caught a disease that you get when you're perverted. And God hates perversion. And God turned the city of Sodom into embers and ashes because there was perversion and homosexuality in it. And I'll tell you something. Your rock music is filled with it. And they used the art of uh, sub sublimation and play things backward and there's the whole message. No Christian ought to ever listen to rock music. It's perverted. It's against God and the Bible. It's against everything you stand for if you're a child of God. God hates perversion. He hates it so much that he said that God, these people that change the natural use of woman, these homosexualities, God gave them up to a reprobate mind. God's already judged it. And listen, God's judging America today. I saw a picture of a little boy that I went to school because he had a, a blood transfusion injection of some kind of dirty needle. And a little boy, not any higher than that, has AIDS. And if it was my little boy, I'd, I'd feel like killing somebody. I would. Let me tell you something. This Bible says God hates false teachers and the people that try to lead them to believe that pollution and perversion and pride are all right. I'm, I'm through. But delivered just Lot. Lot was not perfect. You know he wasn't. You know his sin. Neither you, neither am I. But if a person is saved, when the Lord comes, he's going to lift them all out. He delivered Lot out of Sodom. In fact, he said, I cannot do anything till thou hast gone hither. I, Lot, I can't destroy Sodom till I get you out of it. That's why I don't get too excited about Armageddon. <laughs> Pardon me. And don't, don't tell Brother Wally. Please don't, because Brother Wally and I are friends. Uh, but it, it ain't going to happen for seven years after I'm gone. And you know, after seven years, it's going to be an old story. 
We're going to be gone. I want to tell you the Lord's going to come. I never read anything in the Bible that was predictive of what it's true. Three-fourths of God's holy book, is predict that's predictive. Three-fourths of the predictions have already come to pass. All those that had to do with the first coming of Jesus have all come to pass just exactly like he said he would. And I believe the Bible, it says one day the trumpet will blow and the Lord is going to come and he's going to rapture up his people. It's just as true as John 3.16. And I'm looking for the coming of the Lord. And I wish he'd come today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless thy word to our hearts this morning. And dear Lord, I pray if I've said one word that was not prompted by the Spirit of God, Forgive me and drive it harmlessly to the ground. But if I've said that which is true and can be backed up with the Bible and that which pleases thee, I pray that thou wilt use it and that people be saved and hearts be taught and instructed in the things of God.